Production. Recorded live. All right, all right, all right. This is your boy, Lorenzo Elkis Murphy. We are live. This is Compton Politics. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to have a nice guest tonight. Phenomenal guest. I'm just waiting for him to call in. Uh, sorry that I'm late tonight. Well, I'm not late. I'm just early for tomorrow. Um, this Compton Politics is Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. And uh, I'm just waiting on my guests to call in. Black Emergency Managers Association, the BEMA Association up out of uh, Washington, D.C. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they're focusing on a lot of different things out there throughout the world. Uh, I'm waiting on them to call in. I'm going to see if the caller going to call in. Let them know right now that um, I'm on the air as far as on the radio. Tell him to have his boy to call him to call in. Like I said, this is Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. This is Thompson Politics. This is T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. Um, man, there's just so many things that went on great this weekend. The company politics, company politics was uh, recognized. I want to give a shout out to Deborah Kendricks um, of a fabulous connection she had made for me and a couple of other individuals throughout the community. Uh, we was blessed uh, with a nice donation of our work so we can go back out and do more work that needs to be done in the community. So, you know, um, it was a great day. I actually uh, gave my life back to Christ yesterday. It was a phenomenal day. You know, that's something to be praised about. You know, somebody asked me, why did I do that? And I was telling them that I go out to, I just went to a beach party. You know what I'm saying? I went to uh, people's houses. I went to different events and I'm always donating, you know, always doing stuff. So when you go to some type of church and they open, a, open a, the uh, the matter up to you, it's your decision for you. Not you haven't even joined. It's just something that you have to do to connect yourself closer with God. Um, these are choices I feel, I feel good about, you know what I mean? And, and it kind of made a big difference because uh, I got blessed and I ended up blessing myself with the right choices that I made um you know, so it was a nice, nice weekend. Uh, a lot of great things went on. Uh, who is this on the line right now? Is calling in. Well, this is Andrew Williams Jr. Good evening to you. Hello, how you doing, Mr. Andrew Williams? Thank you for calling in. Uh, this is one of my guests is calling in. Andrew, I will let actually let Andrew uh, talk about what he do, who he is, what he's what he's about. I mean, this weekend I actually went to a fabulous work uh, a fabulous uh, place this weekend, listen to some music. I don't know if you see me on uh, Facebook Live with some entertainers was performing uh, that night. It was a three-lady group. Uh, it was uh, a roster young man rapping. A couple of Latinos were rapping. Um, and at the same time, uh, this place was phenomenal. I mean, I'm going to let this man explain, but I just want to give a uh, shout-out to uh, Deborah. Deborah for um, connecting me to this fabulous um, presentation I received yesterday. 
uh, talk about who did that yesterday later on. I'm not going to leave them out. I just want to talk about that. I want to get straight to the show. Um, right. How you doing, Andrew? How are you? Uh, I'm at least fantastic, brother. Oh, yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> you know, you know, being that everything was going on out here in society, you know, and, and where your place is at is right down from where the riots started off of Normandy and Western. I know on uh, Normandy and Florence, and, and, and it's just a phenomenal place. Just walking down the alley is just an unbelievable sight to see. Walking down that alley from, I think, where this is from Western all the way down to what? Is that St. Andrews? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, it is. Full block. Yes, 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 a whole block of alleyway, but it's some things. I mean, it's right in the hood. It's right in the community. That's what I'm saying. We are actually not having our eyes open on what's really going on in our community and right in our face. I mean, this, what I saw, I saw, what it was about 30 houses on each side of the alley. Yes. It's about well, we 30 houses. Go yeah, ahead. About, yeah, there's about 20, 20 houses on one side, and then there are about six businesses on the other side of the alley. Yes. And, and on each back of each person's garage, there's a different artists from all over the world, right, that did the paintings, right? Yeah, that's graffiti art, and that was curated by King Create. He's part of the Universal Hip Hop Museum team <clears throat> that was orchestrated by Silky D. Williams. So uh, they brought out about 100 uh, artists and their families. They did an all-day event. And, yeah, each one of those uh, murals is special. What we're hoping to do is um, create limited edition prints so we can share that with people around the world. But that's a living alley. There are about 5,000 alleys that were blocked off right after the 1992 riots <clears throat> because, you know, at that time we had a, a heavy gang infestation. What we're doing there is we reclaimed that alley. It was full of uh, debris, uh, woods. It was full of growth. We took about eight weeks back in 2016 to clear that alley out. And then uh, we had a team from the Los Angeles State Technical College, the Architectural and, and Environmental Design um, Department, we're part of their team. We're part of the EncounterLA.net uh, Community Think Tank and Advisory Board. So their students actually spent uh, several semesters figuring out ways we could use that alley for staging areas. So, Lorenzo, I'm re really glad you had a chance to come out and see some of the amazing work that our local artists were able to do there. And, yeah, you're right. We have artists from around the world, including Brazil, which is that painting that uh, we took the photo of you in front of there as well. Right, right, right. Um, who actually was able? Did people actually just fly out from like different countries to come to, to just to do that in that alleyway? Because I'm saying this art that's in this alley, right in the hood. This is something that only post. I mean, this. I mean, I hope people just understand what's going on tonight about what's, what we're really talking about. We're talking about more of just how community is supposed to be built from the ground up all over again. It's like um, you have to start all over. You know, you have to. In order to get a good start, you have to kind of take three steps back, which I know, know somebody there had to take three steps back just to elaborate of the, the togetherness of people to come from all over the world. You know what I mean? Somebody had to give up something to gain something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we're there for a reason. You, you actually hit the uh, nail on the head. In 2012, uh, Five Points Youth Foundation actually decided to make the uh, commitment to bring something to the community because 20 years after the civil unrest, that area is still, still heavily damaged by poverty and economic deprivation. So 
Uh, we actually launched the Florence Mailbox and Business Center. That's a business that's on the site. But uh, we did have, as I mentioned to you, the EncounterLA.net uh, team, we had an angel investor to turn our vacant lot into a staging area. So, Lorenzo, that place is open, and I hope we'll take up your offer to make sure we have events there. We can host up to 200 to 500 people in that place. So far, we've been having a whole year of celebrations on the third Saturday of every month. Uh, that's with Sir Bailey. He's the son of Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and his son, Yaya. Those were the, rock, <clears throat> the reggae people that were performing there yesterday. <clears throat> yeah. This is their brainchild to actually give back to the community. So we want to make sure, Lorenzo, you take advantage of that uh, and all your listeners as well. No problem. I'm sure uh, people are listening. Uh, like I said, I'm on Facebook Live. Uh, I'm on uh, live Instagram. I'm on the radio show, T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio, www.T25CL.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. Uh, you can actually get the app on your phone uh, to, to listen to the 24-hour broadcast of music of the different genres of music of different groups of real artists. And not saying real artists, but the real major artists, and you have independent artists that's major artists, but it's just a, a platform to where if you're an artist and you need your music to be played, you can get your music played 24 hours a day on this radio station. It's like way better than Spotify, Pandora, all these other stations just like that. It's com very compatible right with them. Compatible, you know what I'm saying, with them. Um, uh, we have, uh, we show movies. Uh, we also have uh, like all the artists that's like, actually that comes out there to perform at your event, um, Andre Wims. Uh, we actually have distribution on T25CL. I would love for you to go check out our website and see actually what we have for the community, independent artists, independent filmmakers. Uh, this is a tool just like what you have. Uh, we can brand them, help them. If you know any poets that need their they, they poems to be played worldwide, we can play that actually just like on the music, just like on the platform with the radio. Uh, we, we show people's uh, movies. Uh, we have a movie on our website called United We Stand. A full blown movie. Uh, it's about, like you say, being part of changing the world. You know, uh, we, we go over there to Africa and uh, we show that we're raising money through these concerts. You have Brenda Lee Ager, different jazz groups, and uh, African dancers and bongo players. You know, it's about a two hour film. Take you, take you, it takes you across the world, this film. Right. It right. costs like five, maybe five, $5.49 to watch, I think. And you can watch this within a, a 24-hour span on T25CO.com. And I, and I enlighten people and let them know that if you have a movie sitting up somewhere, you have a documentary sitting up somewhere, uh, and you're not doing anything with it, nobody will give you an opportunity, give you a chance. Um, T25 is the network. I mean, really check it out. I mean, we do music. We sell music for you. If you have an album, we can sell your independent music for you. Uh, if you have... A movie, like I'm saying, you can put your movie on our site. You can send people to the to the website to watch your movie. Somebody's going to pay to watch your movie, and it's black-owned. You know, not trying to be all biased with it. I'm just keeping it 1,000. This is a black-owned network right here. You feel what I'm saying? This is a network that gave me the opportunity. Right now, I have a caller calling from West Merlin. Uh, who is this calling in, my ask? Uh, my name is Charles Sharp. Hello, Mr. Sharp. How are you? This is Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. Thank you for calling in. Uh, constant politics. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, this is, uh, you spoke with him earlier, Lorenzo. <clears throat> this is Charles E. Sharp <clears throat> from Washington, D.C. He was actually listening in, watching in on our Facebook live stream, but 
Charles Sharp is very important to Los Angeles, although he's based in Washington, D.C. He's the uh, CEO of the Black Emergency Managers Association. And we were talking earlier about how to unify the entire Africa diaspora. So, Charles, would you take a moment and introduce yourself and how BEMA is actually working to get that done? Wow, you asked for a mouthful. You got the time? <laughs> yeah, come on, I, okay. on, brother. We can go five hours if we want to. Just put some politics. How you doing, Lorenzo? Uh, well, I'm, one I'm thing, good. I'm one thing, good. I'm glad you're blessed. Uh, the Black Emergency Managers Association, Association International, BEMA International, we were formed in uh, 2010 when I retired out of the uh, military. I was emergency manager uh, for 25 years, 24 years. And, you know, we saw a problem in terms of who are getting the jobs out here in emergency management, uh, what type of career development are we getting, and, and most of the black uh, officers and NCOs in the military were not getting the jobs at FEMA, local level, in the states, county, and cities. And that was one of the things that, that uh, you know, we looked at as we formed this. I was retiring. And the other member said, hey, why don't, why don't we do this? I said, sure, let's do it. And they said, no, you do it. <laughs> so they knew I had the time. I had no obligation. No one could tell me not to say anything. I was an inspector general in the Air Force, so I did emergency management as an inspector general. So I knew if something was wrong. We saw the problems in Katrina. I knew it was wrong. Haiti knew it was wrong. And now I have that capability to speak up and say, hey, this is wrong. I know where the weak links are. One of the other things when we formed was we, we weren't – so there's a need in our community, the black community, to address the Homeland Security emergency management issues in our communities. That's why we have that name, Black Emergency Managers Association. We took that – I love that. I love that. And we took that added step to say, wait a minute, we're just not going to be a, be an association of professionals, of Homeland Security professionals at all levels. Because of the importance of emergency management and what's occurring in our communities, we opened our door and said, wait a minute, we're going to make a change. We're not going to do business as usual. We're going to open our membership to members of the community at all levels, private sector, corporations, individuals, nonprofits, faith-based organizations, everyone in the community. FEMA was expressing what's called the whole community. Well, everyone needs to be involved in a disaster when it hits your community. It can't just be exclusionary. We have right. to look at everyone being included. If you saw what happened in Katrina when it hit New Orleans, who was affected the most? Recent hurricanes that hit the U.S. and the Caribbean, who was affected the most? Communities of color. Communities of color. We get service last. This is what I look at. Those in the industry know this is what I look at and that this is what I emphasize. And they know, even within FEMA and Homeland Security about BEMA, what are we emphasizing? That our communities get that awareness, training, the services when a disaster strikes. Not only when it strikes, but now we have to plan for it. And it's yeah. going to take everybody to do this. Uh, whenever I go to L.A., I always ask, what's the biggest threat in the Los Angeles area? The biggest natural threat in the Los Angeles area, besides fire. 
everyone usually says earthquake. Well, they haven't hit, but are you ready for it? Is our community ready for it? Are we going to be independent and be at each other's throats? Are we going to work as a collective, a unit to say, we're going to take care of our community. We're going to take care of each other. And that's the main thing that I emphasize whenever I speak to people, that we have to start coming together. One of the Recently, in February, when Black Panther came out, I, I, I said, Wakanda is not a real physical location. It's in your soul. It's in your heart. It's a concept. It's an ideal that we have to strive for, to come together as a collective so that we can survive. When disasters strike, who survives? Who is being taken care of? That's just a summary of what we're about. So I tend to think way outside of the box, you know, and look at things differently. I'm the devil's advocate. I'm that I'm that person on your, your shoulder whispering in the ear, well, do it this way. Don't do it that way. Everybody's doing it that way. That's business as usual. It's not working in our community. It hasn't worked in the past. It ain't going to work now. We're in the 21st century, and we have to start looking at different ways of even creating jobs, of what we're taught in schools, in, in the colleges and universities. I'll say it openly. Most colleges and universities do not prepare people for jobs. Academically, you're good, but can you get a job? And a lot of things I emphasize in our community, we have to look at it differently and say, wait a minute, climate change and and what's going on, environmental damages, the, the things we've done to the earth, there are job opportunities there. We in our community have to now take that leap forward and say, I see it, and take advantage of it and create jobs in our community, even with recycling water, recycling waste. Waste, recycle, well, the astronauts do it. (laughs) Recycling plastic, there's a whole industry there that we have to now jump on and say, hey, we're going to lead this. We're going we're gonna to address homelessness in our issue, in our communities. We're going to address, you know, poverty in our community. Do not wait for your government. Your government works for you. We put them in those places in government to do a specific task, but they can't do everything. And it's going to take all of us coming together as a collective, as one, to look at this, not only in your local community, take care of local first. Vote. Right. You've got to vote in your local community. Then we branch out. We start taking care of more one at a time. You know, that, uh, hopefully that that that'll give enough information to get you going. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So I mean, how I mean, how do you get a, a culture that's under construction? I mean, a real culture that's really still up under construction. That's one of my homegirls' movements she has called our culture under construction, and I use this as her analogy. Because it's so true that our culture is under construction. And mm-hmm. I was just speaking, me and uh, Andrew was just speaking uh, uh, earlier, and we, were, and we were speaking about how we are so far behind in our community because we're still fighting. We're still fighting for the struggle of, of, of whatever, civil rights, human rights, and it's like the other part of the world is advancing for as technology uh, with things that, you know, what the real cars look like now. I mean, I look watching the Internet, and I've seen uh, surfboards where you float on top of the water. You have to even float in the water no more. I mean, 
I've seen jet skis to where you're inside of the jet ski now. You, you get what I'm saying? Well, you don't have to even get wet no more inside of a jet ski where it used to be where you stand on top of the jet ski. I mean, I'm just saying we, we fight so much battle on, of, of our struggle that we get left behind. So how can we get the people um, spiritually, like you say, that, that, that name of that, I can't really say that. What was the name of that um, country in um, Black Panther? That was Wakanda. Okay, you you just like you actually putting a um, a diversion in front of somebody to feel as comfortable as is the place of somebody saying God or Jesus Christ or Muhammad or Buddha. You get what I'm saying? You get their country, yeah. You get their conscious mind together to to feel it's like Christmas when Christmas comes. Well, you know it's 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 a billion dollar business. And you really, everybody really know what really Christmas come from. You know, so many different, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just keeping it 1,000. This comes from politics. And I'm going to keep it 1,000, not 100, because there's so many different analogies out here about what's really going on. So how do, can we, well, the question is really, well, how can we change the, di- the direction of the thinking of all pe- of all the people, man? You know, because you're going to have 25 people. Because you're going to have 25% that believe, 25% that say, ah, 25% that say, man, I don't care. And you're going to have 25% that just ain't going to give a damn. So how, right. do you get, so how do you get that, how do you get that at least 50% that change the diversity of their mindset? And that's where it all comes from. It comes from the mindset of trying to get the people to understand the value of what we started today, we're not going to be the ones to end it. Right. Well, if I can, Lorenzo, <clears throat> I have to first say that you are right. You, we right now are on the cutting edge of that <clears throat> because there are like six corporations that own 95% of all the world media, right? So the messages that are out there are going to continue to be out there. It's up to people like you and me and us to change that narrative by making sure what we put on the airwaves is what's relevant to us. <clears throat> but let me take a step backwards because – uh, I believe that it's critically important that first we do achieve unity by understanding that we have more things in common than we have that are differences, right? So very few people in the United States are aware that the African Union, which is a, an organization <clears throat> representing all 55 African countries, right, in 2012, they decided that right now there's five regions, North, South, East, West, and Central Africa, the regions, right? In 2012, they launched what they call the sixth region of the African Union, representing the diaspora, which is you and me and everyone outside the continent of Africa of African descent. They actually launched a 50-year plan from 2013 to 2063 called African Union Agenda 2063 that's supposed to address issues on the continent and outside the continent of Africa. Charles Sharp is the person that introduced me to the one woman who's representing all those 55 countries. And she's here in the United States, based in Washington, Washington D.C., along with Charles. He introduced her to me. And as a result of that, I was able to introduce her to Lady Alicia Hamilton here in Los Angeles. And we hosted her on March the 31st right at the African American Museum in uh, Lamert Park, right? <clears throat> and what she did was she asked us in the diaspora to first come together as one and realize that we do have more in common than we do in differences. Yes. One of the ways to do that is to just pay attention. 
This is also the international decade for people of African descent. The things we're facing in Compton are no different than the things we're facing in, 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 uh, in Washington or Atlanta or you name it, right? But right. the entire world understands that. Also, 2019, August 25th, 2019, is a date that makes 400 years since the first Africans touched ground in Virginia, which is now the United States. There's an organization called Project1619.org, right? And they were able to trace these first Africans from Angola, from the Kwanzaa River area of the Congo Kingdom in Angola that first arrived here on August 25th, 1619. What I'm asking you to do, Lorenzo, and all your listeners to do is pay attention to the fact that we can create our own Wakanda, we can create our own future, but let's start from where we are at the very beginning. Now, there are five what they call legacy projects that the African Union asked us out here to pull together ourselves. So, Lorenzo, there is a, a map for us to do that. So all I'm saying is that now is the time to start, and thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share this with your audience. No problem. Uh, one thing I'd like to add, Lorenzo, and, and even Andrew, you know, like I said, I'm usually – the devil's advocate. I'm whiffing on a soldier on, on your, in your ear, you know, certain things. Even there are stoppages. There are blocks within the African Union. I'll be honest. You know, even when you look at them and the questions I ask, well, who built your headquarters? <laughs> who put the money in your headquarters? Andrew can probably answer that. And it's right. just one, one country, China. You know, so we have to start looking at what did that one movie do? That one movie, even though we're not gaining profits from that one movie, Black Panther, that's over you know, $1 billion. Dollars. I'm you, sorry? Know, I ask, you know, I ask that same question. I'm like, how much is that money coming into the community? Seriously. I mean, uh, and not just trying to change the subject, but being that you said the African Association, um, out here in America right now, uh, what's going on, um, I'm a vendor-consumer for our community. And what that is, that's a person that actually goes in and, and speak up for the community uh, with the peers of the, um, of the mental health and the, and the homelessness system. Um, and I better go and talk and sit and listen to the, what's going on in our community and what's available for the fundings and everything. But peep this out. Now here in our meetings, there are different types of black people in America. Uh, I didn't heard of, um, I mean, actually, I'm talking about on paper where it's like a porter call uh, to where in the meetings we have a, meet, uh, um, a system, an uh, organization called the AAA, African Americans or Organization, you know, with the, uh, mental health, you know, which is like you have, then you have the Latino uh, organization. Everybody had their own separate, but and our African uh, and our African American organization, they're actually saying African, and then they're saying African American. Mm-hmm. So by right, and I'm saying it's like when I first heard it, I was like, "What?" I'm like, "Huh?" So it's like Africans get the money, and then African Americans get the money. So being that you're saying this right now. It gives me an idea. It gives me an idea because it, I think it is so important being that uh, black Negroes, African-American, color folks, 
We don't know what we are. We don't know what we're supposed to be called. And that's what we need to start first before we make a movement on anything. We need to know who we are and what we are really called before we get to trying to come together. And I think that's the biggest confusion because right now I'm confused in these meetings because I'm hearing African people and African-American people. So is there any way? And I'm going to ask this question. I think it's very important for American black men to be a part of that organization with the other 51 African tribes because where can a black African-American go? What country can we go to? We already claim in Africa that our descendants are from Africa. And I feel I can be the first black American, which that's what we are, black Americans, to be part some way of be the number fifty be the number fifty two organization yeah, of right. what, what they do is, is one of the things you'll hear is African descent. So right. we are of African descent. That's that common right. linkage that we all have. And then you break it up. I mean we have French African French. There's 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 a diaspora. So that six region of the African Union, the five regions on the continent, the diaspora, which is individuals of African descent, are part of that six region, the diaspora. So that problem that we run into is is this over 500 years, even more, of separating us mentally from who we are. Yeah. You know, I was in a meeting at the World Bank Sunday. What was in the room? There was French-speaking. There was English, and then there was tribal languages. You know, but I was born here in America, in Washington, D.C. I can speak French from a military standpoint. It's not pretty, but I can speak Spanish from a military standpoint. I can speak Hindu. I can speak Farsi. You know, but it's like, hey, wait a minute. What separated us was language. When you say Haiti with the thought that automatically pops in someone's mind, I can't talk to them. Why? There's a language barrier. And sometimes you don't have to speak. But that, that, that separation was part of what took place to control us. Now we have to say, I'm going to learn this language. I've walked into a place and a cleaner that Koreans ran. And I spoke a little Korean and I, their guards went down. Now, I, I was born in D.C., but when I go to L.A., within our culture, our culture alone, you can tell something about another black, even if you're from another city, on how they walk, how they talk, how they say things, how they move. It's like those, those nonverbal cues are there. But one of the things we lost was trust within each other. We don't trust each other. Even moving forward financially, every other email I receive is asking for money. Well, no, I can't give it. But we lost that trust, and I think that commonality is is we have to start breaking that barrier, talking about it openly and honestly what we're doing right now. And don't play around with it. Talk about it. You know, saying, hey, we were separated over four or 500 years from Mother Africa. Now we're separated from ourselves here in the U.S., L.A. from D.C., Chicago, there's differences. No, we're all one. We're one, and we're having the same problem. 
I talk about homelessness. Homelessness can be resolved in a month in every city if everybody focused in on it. But it's not. You can pour money, as much money as you want to, but it ain't going to get resolved. Even the problem in Flint, Michigan with the water, black communities are getting affected. It is not going to get resolved no matter how much money they put into it because they're not coming together. The community at the lowest level is not coming in. They're, not, they're, they're excluding them. They're not included in the talks. They're not included in the rebuilding. And that's how we move forward. You include everybody in the rebuilding, even the youngsters. The kids, yeah. the next generation. If you leave them out, it don't mean anything. They're going to destroy it. That's just me. That's my opinion. I mean, I mean, that's that's a perfect that's a perfect analogy of what's going on out here because um, I want to mention about how the different separations of you know of the feeling of the different separations of African Americans and African men. Have do you know anything about that stigma of of what goes on like that? It's like like Say, for instance, could 100 African-American men come from America and go to Africa and start a business? Could that happen? That's happening. It is happening. It is happening. And, but it can't be started just based on pure profit. Because of course. Of course that's of business course. as usual. That's business as usual. That you have to look at, we look at social responsibility. Well, okay. Look at Nestle. What Nestle just did is doing in Michigan. It's out there. Nestle Corporation, which is not a U.S. company, they're not in the U.S., are paying zero for water out of Michigan. You know, so I have been in it. What Andrew and I are doing, coming together, you know, we're a member of VEMA, the Black Emergency Managers Association, is a member of the United Nations Global Compact, the Water Compact, and the Water Stewardship for the United Nations. I have been in rooms with these corporate leaders talking about water from Pepsi, Nestle, Coke, some of the cereal manufacturers, talking about water stewardship. Hey, be responsible for your corporations and manufacturing and the handling of water. And one, a Nestle's official said, Vice President, water is free, but consumers pay to have it, have it bottled, shipped, and put on the shelf. Well, so you're saying water is really free. Water is free. So how are they making money what they do then? Because we what don't I just we don't said. They're bottling it, shipping it, and putting it on the shelf. And now, even 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 from a pure health standpoint, how much water are what's the average amount of water they ask people to drink a day? You see, so that's a mathematical formula. How much water are you going to sell based on how much water people need a day? I mean, the average. I mean, the average person. I see the average person buying five cases of. Buying five cases of six cases, the average. Right. See, so you put that in a formula, you calculate what the need. But water is free. You just need to know how to, and what I advocate within BEMA, whenever there's a debt, disaster, or crisis, three major things come up. Housing, shelter, water, and food. Well, water may be all around you if there's flooding or you're on an island. It's a matter of you need to purify it. 
you need to clean it. You have to set up the system to clean it. But the first thing people say is, we need bottled water. Yes, you do for a day or two. Now you need, after that, you need to start up your purification system. Either for your family, for so your people, so those are, So you're saying being able to teach people to be able to recycle their own water at their own home. It's, just, it's kind of like going to the water the water is a little water store. I got to, I go to a water store right now and buy my own gallon of water for twenty five cents instead of you know, right. purifying the water. You know, you, right. about, you you actually will have these systems in your home. Exactly, and, and right. then also you also you're growing also <clears throat> growing your own food in your home. You know, taking advantage of understanding that if there's a disaster that happens, <clears throat> it's not going to be twenty four to forty eight hours. It might be two weeks before there's any governmental help. So what does that mean? That means right now you need to start thinking about all the ways you can use the space in your place to start growing food. Right. So so, so, you think, so you think you can get, so you think you can actually develop a um, a whole housing, a whole new zip code with nothing but the whole city is planned like that? And is that what you vision, something like that? Well, well, I... I... I, I, my, myself, personally, I wouldn't go that route. Why? Because now you're forgetting about those that are left outside of that city. What about the problems they're having? You know, so I want to fix what we already got. And there's something, and you can write this down and look it up. It's something called idealized design, I-D-E-A-L, whatever, idealized design. Okay. And with that, you take a system. We're, there yeah. are all these systems. There's water systems. There's waste management systems. There's a telecommunications system. You take a system and you destroy it. It's, in other words, it doesn't. You go on the impression it doesn't exist. Now redesign that system for what you want it to be. An idealized design. That's I Z D. But you get the idea. This is how a lot of technological and other advances are made in systems. You take an existing system and you redesign it. You you visualize it another way. This is what the scientists are doing when you mention a surfboard that floats on water. You know, someone had to design. They had to design it. They had to step outside of the box and redesign it. Now to get it get it a standard everywhere. But this idealized design is how progress came in the telecommunications industry. That's what I worked in also in emergency management. You know, the cell phone, the touchstone phone. And this was done back in the 1950s. And they were talking about satellite phone. There was never even a satellite up in the air. But they had designed it in the 50s at Bell Labs. You know, wow. you, can, you can just Google it. Idealized design. And you'll see and hear exactly what I'm saying, how the advances in satellite and telecommunications industry are here now. They were designed in the 50s because there's something called market pull, technology push and market pull. Could the market handle the price back then? No. I remember a cell phone with a big block you carried in your hand. All right. You know, hey, hey, I remember that. That thing was a bad thing. <laughs> But you, you, know you I mean? see how now technology started to catch up. I, when I started in, in, the, in the IT industry, laptops were never even designed. They weren't here. So I'm in my 60s. This is all the things that I have seen, and I've worked with people about this, 
how did China become so rich so so quick when in the 60s during the social revolution they were starving they created something they came together as one a social it it took problems you know they yeah. had a lot of suffering but they yeah. the chinese now in 2018 they work as a collective period the whole work country, as one. the whole country, right? The whole country does that, right? Right. They work as one. Now, one of the things I mentioned, and Andrews know, when you look at the cryptocurrency industry, who creates or manufactures the equipment for that? You look, you not only look at the cryptocurrency industry, you look at the manufacturing equipment. It's the Chinese. They're the ones who have profited the most from us. And one of the things I've been saying for the past two years. We as a people, we missed it because of trust. And if you think we, and I talked to a psychologist about it, that we as a people of African descent, a lot of us don't think abstractly. We want to feel it and touch it, taste it, smack it and do whatever. But when you think of electronic currency, it's not real. It's, it's it's a conceptual thing, but we want to touch it. We want to see it. You can see it being done, but we now are coming at the tail end of that new financial market that's being created that will replace paper money. We're gonna we're missing it, and we have to jump in and say we're part of this. We're going to be one of the millionaires that's making all this money from the cryptocurrency industry, from bitcoins. It's, it's, right, the market right, is right. wide open. There, there's one African nation, Ghana. They're going towards an electronic currency. You cannot fight it. It will happen. And we have to learn as much as possible and accept it to say, I'm going to understand this. Why? It's new. It's not the old way of thinking. It's not the old way of business. It's now a new form of business, and we have to get ahead of it. And one of the things Ghana is looking at and other African nations, the United Nations and others, is when you those individuals that send money home, you know, in your corner stores, they have little cards you buy to send money to, to family members in Central, South America, and Africa. How much of that money does it cost to send over there? But when you look at electronic currency, it's not that much. It's cheaper. Right. You're, elim- you're eliminating the banks. The banks are fighting for their survival right now. And electronic currency is the one that's doing it to them. But you cannot resist it because so many millionaires came out of this within the past few years. Wow. You're actually saying that the money, the green money, we got to get our mindset away from that and start doing the other transformation of the, not like Internet, but the, the virtual world of money, right? You got to do both until one is completely, they, there's going to be a coexistence of both, and you have to do both. One of the individuals I talked to, he said, Charles, and he's in the gold coin. And and he said, Charles, you have to look at the way we're doing business now is like the early 1900s. And that when the, industrialized, the industrialization took place, it changed everything. 
We're going through that now in the 21st century. It's more electronic. And we have to now say, wait a minute, I don't trust the food I eat. I don't, their their cryptocurrency, electronic currency, even for marijuana, cannabis. Why? You're eliminating using paper money when you go to get it. You're eliminating paper money. You're eliminating threat. Who's the one that's going to benefit? Usually we have to learn how to be a hacker. We have to know crypto. We have to know cybersecurity. We have to get involved in that. Are we missing that in our community, getting into computers? When are we pure consumers? Are we going to be creators and manufacturers? I push for being creators and manufacturers. I'd rather get served than be on the menu. Right, for sure, any day. Any day. You know, um, I, like I said, this information is so valid. Like I said, this is Compton Politics. This is Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. We are live tonight. We have a wonderful guest. There's very two wonderful guests. They're world guests to me. They are, they're doing things from all over the world. They're about the whole change of the beginning, not the end. Um, I'm just excited about tonight. We're going to hope y'all actually hearing and learning some valuable information about how we can get started. People out here do still believe in us, and that's the main thing is we. some people out here still have to believe. That's why I'm out here myself trying to do what I can do, you know, and actually take care of myself at the same time. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other individuals out there, community workers. I give it up to those other community workers that's doing what they can do you know, out there in society to make the things better in society. Is there some type of uh, way people can get in contact with you? Uh, is there a summit y'all giving? Is there, y'all looking for new people to come join, new organizations to join? Uh, how can people get involved with this? Because I'm really, I would love to get involved with this because uh, I need to go to the next level of what needs to be helped fix, you know. You only, well, so much, you well, only can do so much in our community. You know, you got to go outside our community to bring the best back to it so we can update everybody. You're in L.A., uh, this is Charles, and one of the things I say is start locally. Andrew is right there in L.A. So and, I'm then, and, and then, you know, you start branching out. Take care of what's happening locally. You know, when the hurricanes hit, you know, last year, one of the things I even said, take care of yourself locally. You know, then branch out. If you can help others, now there's that trust thing is who do we give our money to when, there, when, when there's a disaster? You know, it, and I'm like, who do you trust? And that's one of the things that we do at BEMA. We look at who you're giving your money to. Know who you're giving your money to, and it's getting to the community that needs it, the lowest level. You know, so I would recommend, you know, you going through Andrew, uh, I mean, to get in contact with me. I'm not here to promote our association. Uh, I'm here to talk about issues, which you wanted to talk about, and Andrew asked me to set in on it. But I can give you that information, and I'll let Andrew go first. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, In the first place, the event that you came to, Lorenzo, happens on the third Saturday of every month at Five Points Youth Foundation. That's at 1820 West Florence Avenue, Los Angeles, 90047 at the corner of Western and Florence. We have a 
not just <clears throat> you know music entertainment, but we we you see we broadcast around the world. But we're part of the team that meets on the first Thursday of every month uh, at Los Angeles Trade Technical College. It's in the Tom Bradley Student for Life. It's called EncounterLA.net. You can go, you know, anyone can go there. I invite everyone to come to that location because that's where we have people from the top to the bottom in one room at one time to decide what we're going to do together. So those are the two things. I'm available, Andrew Williams, Jr. I'm, I'm a Facebook ambassador. I was one of the 100, one of the 187 Facebook ambassadors. So I'm findable anywhere, Andrew Williams, Jr. on Facebook. <clears throat> so you can anyone can reach me through you, Lorenzo. So you you've got my, you know you you know how to reach me. And um and uh, so yeah, as far as phone numbers concerned, my Google Voice will find me. Uh, Erico four two four two four three six five eight zero. They'll track me down. I'm an Andrew Williams Jr. Andrew Williams Jr. seven 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 at gmail dot com. I'm available, so I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, okay. Look, can you let people know where you're? Uh... Youth Center at it, you know what I mean? So they, somebody might want to come out and see your location yeah. and say, for an event, man, because this is a wonderful spot. I'm loving it. I'm going to throw my, I ain't going to speak about what I'm going to throw up there, but I want to throw my event up there. <laughs> uh, yeah. The audio is perfect. If you want to see some great art, some great graffiti, go over there off of, Slo- no, off of uh, Florence and Western, right behind Jack in the Box. Right. Yeah, the name of the organization is 5-F-I-V-E. Points P O I N P O I N T S YouthFoundation.org, and you'll see that on the fence outside Five Points Youth Foundation. <clears throat> that address is 1820 West Florence Avenue. And yes, we're also the headquarters of the Universal Hip Hop Museum, Western Region Division. They have organizing meetings there. That's with Silky D. Williams. She's also the international ambassador for the Five Points Youth Foundation for the United Nations Global Compact. So yes, uh, it's open from nine to five Monday through Saturday. Uh, if everyone's welcome to come by during you know normal business hours, or you know they can call me or they can arrange group meetings. And yeah, the place is there for us to have events. We 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 want to have events. We can hold a lot of people. So uh, the shortness is yellow, and so let's get this thing done. Also, we can broadcast. Uh, you and I broadcast it from our phones, but we're looking to generate uh, a production studio there where we can have broadcast quality recordings of our events. So when people are there in the hood, we're safe. You know, we we have security, but we can reach the entire world. So that's what we're there to do. It's called thisplacela.wordpress.com is our virtual site. So we're inviting everyone to join us, and let's get this thing done. What is the numbered address at Five Point Youth, and Andrew? Yes, 1820 West Florence Avenue. 1820 West Florence Avenue. And and Lorenzo, this is Charles, you know, and Andrew, I like to look at one source. You're the source. If anyone really wants to get to BEMA, Black Emergency Management Association, usually from the West Coast, always say go to Andrew. For your listeners, I would say the same thing. Go to Lorenzo. You have his number. You can do a Google search on BEMA, B-E-M-A International, or Black Emergency Managers Association. We're going to be the one that pops up. There's no one else like us, you know. And we have members throughout the U.S., the Caribbean, Central, South America, Africa, and the Middle East, and in the Pacific Rim, you know. So, so, how, many, so how many members do you have all together? I won't get, <laughs> I'll say this. And one of the other members, 
she she mentioned this at the World Bank. She said, Charles, you know, really you have over sixty thousand. I said, Huh? <laughs> I don't think about it. You got sixty thousand really, plus one. That's what she said. Really? And, that's and what I'm saying. I, I'm saying that. You got sixty thousand plus one, me. Because when you look at it, when I said organizations and members, let's say Five Point Youth Foundation under Andrew is a member. All I know of is Andrew. Andrew knows the numbers of Five Point Youth Foundation. Right. I don't need to know everybody, but Andrew, get this information to them. When you look at even the National Latino, uh, the National Latino uh, Farmers and Ranchers Association, Trade Association, I'm members of BEMA, but I don't need to know every member. I need to know you're getting this information about preparedness for for farmers and ranchers in the case of disasters. You know, are they planning for that? Are you looking at the food issue? That's part of the food security portion of BEMA. We have members that work even in nuclear power plants. I am not an advocate of nuclear power. I'm totally against it because they stress nuclear power, but what about the waste? They never talk about the waste. Nuclear waste. Why? That contributes to global warming. They never talk about it. Europe is eliminating all their nuclear power plants. Why? It's part of that global warming. So I am not an advocate of building them, of pushing that power. I'm looking more solar and wind. That's what I look at. And if they say nuclear, I say back off. <laughs> you know, so these are, we look at it within our association, we got members from every one of the critical infrastructure sectors. You know, transportation, TSA, you know, pilots, um, uh, emergency management affects each and every one of those. It affects even what you do in radio broadcasting because how are we going to get the message out through communications that there's a disaster, there's a, there's, a, there's a threat coming, there's a tornado, there's a hurricane coming. What are the weather conditions today? They're flooding on this road over here. You know, you get that out. You're a vital part. You're, you have a role in a disaster. You may not think you do. You have a vital role in getting that information out to save lives. And that's important. That's them. what it's and all I about. I would love to be that emergency. I would love to be that first responder over the radio. And you are because you're getting that important information out. And the black, the African descent community in America even in Central and South America, and, and really worldwide, is in a constant state of emergency. Constant. You know, you hear so what would you call, what would you say? What would you call a state of emergency in the ghetto? Number one is financial. Right, right, right. And that's, that's the part, see, and that's the part that we have to think about. We have to think backwards, really, to think forwards, you know. Uh, I don't think that would have been my first answer. You know, I would have went deeper than something like death or murder. You get what I'm saying? But it's really the finances. If you had jobs, why would there be crime? <laughs> we all have jobs. Even kids have jobs, you know. I've, I've been working since I was really nine years old. Really? Nine years old, I had a paper route. <laughs> I, I delivered the papers. That was money. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I had a job. My first job, I think, I was working for a hamburger stand. 
when I was when I was in high school, and and I can actually say this. I, when I was in high school, I remember putting paper in my shoe. Why? Because my soul was slapping in high school. So I know hey, you just want to be able to satisfy the basic necessities. You take from the the the, the basic threat or basic problem, and you work your way up. So financial and jobs, that's one. Then you start looking at housing. Then you start looking at, you know, water and food. There are people that are making a decision every day that, hey, wait a minute, should I pay this bill or should I go grocery shopping? You know, and how many people hide the fact, even middle class, that they may be only five paychecks away from homelessness? For real. You know, and I, and I speak about that. I, I, I have rich friends that's doing that. Yeah, and, and but... It's it's a facade. Let's be honest. We got to talk about this. Housing goes up. When I heard the price of an apartment in L.A., I was like, "What? <laughs> this is not just L.A. The price of a one bit to rent an apartment. The price there in L.A. It's the same. It's even more in San Francisco. It's even more in Boston. It's that way in D.C. They're pushing us out of the city. Well, wait a minute. When you push the average worker who's making minimum wage outside of the city, how do they get back in? Well, they're on public transportation. But, oh, wait a minute. You just raised public transportation rates. (laughs) So how can I get back in? You know, how can I get back in? You know, it's it's like, wait a minute, you got a raise for nothing. Now, food rates and and gas have gone up, but these are some of the things we have to look at. That state of, this is part of that state of emergency. Okay, okay. I'm feeling that, I'm feeling that. You know, when you even look at, you know, and, and, and when I talk about whole community to be members of BEMA, even ex-offenders. You've done your time. Now let's show you a new way of doing business. Let's say, hey, you're coming in. Most of the FEMA courses are free. This is what we say. If you go to our website, blackemergemanagersassociation.org, there's a talk about the reentry program and taking these classes, but you have to do it and work at the local level within your community. Why? To gain their trust back. Remember, trust keeps coming out. It's about relationship building. Relationships, they're personal and business. They're back practically the same. Trust and integrity comes in. Right. And so do you have a question? Do you feel that consistency is the most one of the most important things uh, about this whole transitioning? Because a lot of people get lazy. Uh, and I mean, it's like I know some people that go get a job, work this for the first check, and won't go back to work because they're happy and satisfied of um, fulfilling their fulfillment, fulfillment, and it's just a feeling that they just have for a moment, like just having a glass of water. What do you feel about that? Uh, the long con- a person needs to be consistent about what they're trying to do. Just like me, I'm looking at have two hundred. I'm on two hundred six shows right now, but that's every Monday. I might have missed a couple, but I have two hundred six shows, so that's consistency on Monday at seven thirty. But maybe what is that? Uh, Fifty two. 52 uh, months in a year, so that's almost four years, you know, missing two uh, months. Right. Uh, I think what you got to look at is, you know, one of the things is, and, and I'm going to say it, it's, it's who are our idols, who raised us, and we have to even start looking at our mental health. You mm. know, 
Most of us have mental health issues that even can be attributed to diet on what you're doing. You're tired. It may be what you're eating. It may be what you're, you're, you're listening to. It could be anything. But that portion in terms of that, that drive, one of the things I always learn, man, you cannot motivate anyone. They have to motivate themselves. You know, so it's it's like I'm up all hours of the night, and I know Andrew is. He'll see me, and most people say, Charles, when do you sleep? Each and every one of us has a gift. I don't care who you are, you have a gift. And that gift is what we and you have to promote within yourself. You have to bring it out. As a parent, I have a daughter and a son. My job was to bring out that gift no matter what. If I see it, I'm not gonna I'm not going to hold it down or let them get back. I'm going to promote their gift, not be jealous, not be that well I couldn't succeed. I'm gonna hold them back. No, they have a gift and it's given. It's sometimes you find people that just do things and it's like, Wow, that's your gift. They've learned very early in life that's their gift. And you have to you have to promote that. You have to nourish it. Each and every one of us has a gift. If you're working a specific job and you don't like it, that may not be your gift. But you still have to have money coming in (laughs) and find your gift. And you're constantly looking for that gift. When we're young, we're saying, why am I here? Why am I here? You have not found your gift yet, but it's there. It's inside of you, and it's trying to come out. You have to let it come out. In our communities, as males of African descent, sometimes we can't show our emotion. We can't show that soft side of ourselves, of our gift. Right. It's not feminine. It's just it's not as masculine. But others may see, I'm going to say it. It's honest. You can't show it. I had a gift for math and other things, but I couldn't have books with me when I went to school. Right. I had four or five lockers on different floors, but I could never be on the street with a book. Wow. (laughs) And this happens. And sometimes even the gang members, those are your family. Let their gift come out. Let that gift come out. And that's one of the things we have to use, you know, so that person who, oh, they get a job, get a paycheck, and that is, they're searching for their gift. They're searching for their direction. That's just how I see it. I mean, I'm I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a motivator or speaker or anything. I just say that my job with my daughter, I help her bring out her gift. I found my gift. It just came to me. And I knew it was. And I speak on that. I speak on... Um, a lot of people look at the physical things as a power, you know what I'm saying, of making them feel good, you know what I'm saying? But a lot of times your empire is inside of you. Like you were just saying, you can pull out what you need to do, you know, and that's your empire is inside of you, not on the outside. Because you should be able to be able to adapt to whatever is in front of you at the time you need to. A lot of people, I find a tendency of a lot of people say, uh, hey, man, you know, hey, man, I don't know how to do that. Hey, man, you know how to do that? No, man, I don't know how to do that. I mean, it's like you haven't tried. You haven't uh, attempted to even do better for yourself and trying to attempt to do anything better. I mean, you know, um, I run to a lot of people like that. I used to do that myself. You know, no, I'm cool, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to do it until I tried it, picked up like the drums. You know, I never was a drummer. I told her, no, I don't know how to play no drums, but 
when I picked up the drumsticks, I ended up knowing, then realized that I had a talent that, hey, it came from nowhere. And I ended up well, know, making a rock album. You feel what I'm saying? I'm so, I'm so glad you said that, Lorenzo, because <clears throat> what you actually uh, did was tune into what Charles calls your gift, right? What I'm saying is that from people of, of African-American descent, we have a responsibility. There, in my personal opinion, it's been 50 years since Martin Luther King was assassinated, right? He was, right. in my opinion, assassinated because of his work on civil rights. But when he started talking about human rights, right? You know, hey, hey, you know what? The, they didn't the pass that way. I spoke about that. And, that's, and I'm so glad you spoke on that. You know, I have a habit of trying to cut. Because once I have a pinpoint, we got to pause it because that's what people need to be educated to now. It's not right. That's why we can't wear no cases because civil rights, anybody can say civil rights and they're not going to bite on that because that was something from a long time ago. And it's kind of like saying the word Negro, black on the, on the paperwork. Now we African-Americans. So, it, yeah, it was not civil rights no more. They still no, going to get about, you. Gonna... Yeah, but see, I, I'm really believing that for other order, you, you were talking about, <clears throat> our 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 um the the growth or development of our culture, right? So I'm saying that point blank, the minute that we all first identify the fact that we all have human rights, and there are actually thirty of those human rights. I mean they're rights that everyone on earth has to and has, no matter where they're born, no matter what. Now I'm saying to you that it's our task, my task, to to take human right number twenty nine, which is responsibility to take responsibility for understanding the situation I'm in. There are people that come to this country that know, learn more about how this country works than people that were born here in our community. Because why? Because we were never included 100% in the founding of this country. But it's up to us now to stand up for who we are as human beings. And then I think we will, in fact, find a way, Lorenzo, to pull this thing together amongst ourselves as human beings as a first step. But you know what? I like what you just said, though, because I understand that the words is just so attractive in what you're saying. As human beings, as human beings, these are the words that we have to start learning for ourselves, for our culture, because these are the words that shows the value of who we are to the people that need to understand that we understand who we are now. You know, it's like certain words that triggers the satellite to turn on. To give them an alert of something, so it's the same well, if you, thing. If you start, if you start, if you start with human beings, right, and the rights we have as human beings, the things that we're faced right now in the United States as human beings, that's really detrimental to all of us as human beings. Then not black, not white, not Latino, not Chinese, as no, a human no, no, being. As human beings, right? You know, and and even when you know when uh, you you others may have heard. And think, oh, this is happening over there. And I'm getting to the subject of slavery, 21st century slavery. They're saying, oh, that's occurring over there in Libya. No, it's occurring right in your community. Here in the U.S., there's human trafficking going on. There's sex slavery going on. Even in Pimp on the Corner, wait a minute, you might be a slave trader, you know, don't don't give it a pretty name. It's slave trading. If you're dealing in humans, you're slave trading. You're just attributed to that. Oh, no, that's human trafficking. Oh, no, that's this. No, it's slave trading. Why? We as individuals of African descent here in the U.S., in the Caribbean, if we're black, we should 
condemn it fully. Period. And we have to get. We have to. We have to. We have to Lorenzo, Lorenzo, you know, Ben, that you brought that up. There's a new movie coming out, and I seen the pilot at at the uh, theater, and it was called Superfly. They got a new movie called Superfly coming out, and I mean, you can actually probably see the pilot on YouTube or something. And I mean, it's called Superfly, and it's about pimping. It's about you know who's the biggest pimp. You know, you got to figure the way the movie that just came out, Black Panther, that was very encouraging. And, you know, it's just very enlightening. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like now you have a new movie coming out like this called Superfly, and it's more modern. You know, you got the Ferraris and the Maseratis. You got the Rick Rosses and the Jay-Zs all in the movie. I think Jay-Z. I don't know for sure, but I've seen a whole lot of ballers in there. You got uh, Andre 3000. You know, you got all these type of major actors, and this looks like it's a major film. What do you think about bringing a film like that back out into our culture after we had a dynamic film that came out already that actually turned circles around the world. Andrew, you want this one? I'll jump in because here's the thing. <clears throat> we already talked about six companies controlling 95% of the media, right? So Black Panther is an exception to that rule. But when you go back and think about how Hollywood itself has held up those negative images throughout our culture. If you remember, Halle Berry got her Oscar for being a hoe, basically. Then you go back to Denzel Washington. He got his Oscar for being a pimp, you know, and a gangster, right? I'm saying we can't depend on what they do for making sure we educate our children about what's important to us. You're saying that there's major money behind these films. I'm saying all of us have the power of the narrative in our hands and our phones to create our own narratives. We need to be about making those movies we want to see that uplift our culture. That's what I say. Right. And, that, you know, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not being biased, but when I saw that, I was like, wow, you know, because I have a film coming out, you know, and it's about the 80s, you know, and I can't be criticizing about that film, but it's kind of like, I was like, wow, I'm like, damn, are, are, are people going to look at my film the same way? Are people going to feel the same way about us talking about the drug trade and what happened in the eighties and that type of stuff, you know, that, that crossed my mind. Cause I, I mean, I had to, I had to look at myself cause I'm being characteristic towards these people with they film. You feel what I'm well, saying? One of the things I talked to someone about and they said, what we did, what occurred during these seventies and eighties, the initial, let's say explosion of drug trafficking in our communities nationwide was survival, financial survival. We had to survive. One of the things most people don't know, who owns the rights to Black Panther, the movie? Which company? There's one company. Marvel was the creator, but what's the company that's making all that money? There's one that owned the rights to all of Marvel. Disney. <laughs> it's Disney. Wow. So you said Disney. Disney made, made all, all that, that money. money. So you know but that earth. Now you, know you got to get Disney. You got to get Disney to say, hey, how are you going to contribute to our communities? When you look at even the music industry and that new movie coming out, what Andrew is saying, who is who made this movie? Who is distributing it? 
What company is distributing it? We just put up a stink about Starbucks. Wait a minute. We don't want this movie out here. Why? It's showing a negative of our community. Any other ethnic group, when it comes out, they will say something. They can, they can ban that movie. You know, this is a detrimental if it's going to show a negative aspect of our movie, of how women treat men and how men treat women. You know, a superfly. Well, wait a minute. Didn't that promote cocaine use in the U.S., in our community? Yeah. That one movie, that one movie did that. And I know the artists were just making a movie to say this is a guy trying to get out. But others took that to say, I want to live that lifestyle. I want to wear that lifestyle. Yeah, of course. You know, so, so, so what I'm saying is the way our youth are so influenced nowadays and, you know, uh, like I said, it's a whole different era. You know, I, I, I they do what they do. You know, I was a youngster at one time and I might was buck wild too. But at the same time, the way the world is now is so different on what goes on and how it goes on and what the rules are now. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so many things, and so many things have changed in the dynamics of our community and the people in the different ages of, you got a, your 35-year-old grandmother now. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Um, it's different. It's different, you know? You know, one of the things was Saudi Arabia. This is the first time they ever had a major film opening, and it was Black Panther. And I've been in the Middle East and Kuwait. UAE and Saudi Arabia. And one of the things I wrote was, how has that movie changed their perceptions of individuals in the, in the Arab nations, the Middle East, of people of African descent? Are we considered slaves, servants, subservient, and eunuchs? Eunuchs, you know. Cut out, you know, castrate us, and you know we can watch your kids and stuff like that if we're males. Has that changed their perception of us? Who is involved in the slave trade? Is part of their culture? Whose culture is it a part of? Has that movie changed their perceptions of people of African descent worldwide? Side note, side note, side note. <clears throat> now it was actually uh, you may hear something about uh, Queen Queen Nzinga of the Angolans. She actually was the one, <clears throat> excuse me, around the 1600s that were able, that was able to actually join with the Portuguese in her country, in Angola, to fight other kingdoms. And actually those slaves that were put, <clears throat> that were sold, that were a part of this warrior class, they were sold. So, you know, the Africans are just as responsible mm-hmm. for selling slaves into slavery as the traders that were trading them. So whenever we start talking about responsibility, we have to accept the fact that we have to either A, forgive ourselves and then go on with that, or B, we have to confront that and decide how we now can work together to make this thing right. It was the United States in 1883, the corrupt Congress that gave authorization to King Leopold to have the entire country of the Congo as his personal possession. In 1883, in 1884 and 85, the Berlin Conference had 13 European countries and the United States to decide how they were going to carve up Africa. That is how the map of Africa got created in 1885. So all those countries and all those people are just as responsible for changing it 
as they are for making it happen. But, Lorenzo, we can't be the ones to not know these things about our own history when we start having conversations about what are we going to do next. Wow. So, so, so what do we do next from now, from being that you're educating the people here on talking politics? And, and I'm as a lot of listeners, you know, it's a lot of listeners because I'm on a lot of media. Um, educate you yourself. It, it, take what anything I'm saying to you. The information is out there if you just look for it. Who are we as human beings on the face of the earth? And have to understand that there was only one continent at one time where all these other people from all these other continents came from. We call that place Africa now simply because it was named after Africanus, who was just a person in a tribe in the northern part of Africa, which is closest to Europe, right? But if you go back to Ptolemy, back even before Jesus Christ was born, the maps that were shown then of the place they now call Africa at that time, you'll find a word called Nigeria. I happened to, in 1984, meet with Chief John Kinsey in the city of Compton, where there was a consulate for Nigeria in your city, Lorenzo. And what he was saying then was that what I'm saying now is that besides anything that's happening, our responsibility is to understand we are all one people no matter what, and that's where we have to start from. You know what, and I'm glad you said that about Compton, about part of Africa. Uh, actually, on my other shows, I have other historians speaking about certain things about how big Africa was. Africa was low, so large. Do you know anything about this is California, Africa? This is Africa, California? Do you know anything about that? The state of California itself is named after Khalifa, who is actually an African goddess. So when you start talking about history here in Los Angeles, 26 of the 44 people that started Los Angeles are of African descent. So I'm again saying that we have to educate ourselves about the reality that we're dealing with. Again, we have more in common than we have that are difference. And once we overcome that, we can accomplish anything we decide to do for the future. Right. At one time, was there only one man who ruled the world and the whole world at one time was Africa? Do you know his name? No, at I one don't. time, I use that as one of my facts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll defer to you. You brought, the, you brought the question up. What is the answer? No, I don't know. I was just wondering. I mean, I heard about this. And I, thought, I can't actually remember. I'm just gonna be. I can't remember the name, but I did see. I have seen uh, documentaries and pictures and footage, and you know, uh, historians speaking about it. You know that. After, yeah, uh, this I, I recall world. that. I recall that seeing it recently. But I, I understand what your point is. Your point is that I think for our children to understand that at one point in the future we were the rulers of the earth, and the point is that we still are the minute we decide that we are. I like that. I like that. I think that is, that's going to be another part two. That's going to be a part two show. We're going to talk about this again. You know, uh, I don't want to hold you up because I know it's late. Where you at? You are you up in Merlin right now? Uh, hey, I can. I, Andrew knows I'll be up until four o'clock Eastern time, reading emails and responding to others and planning my day for tomorrow. Yeah, so, so is there so we'll anywhere? We'll leave it up to you, Lorenzo. Yeah, we'll leave it up to you, Lorenzo. You decide. You know, I know we've been we've taken over an hour and fifteen minutes of your show. We really appreciate it, but we'll be available for part two of whenever you want to look to the future. And what I would like to do is take advantage of this technology because people can call into your show from around the world, right? 
<laughs> but we yeah. want to make sure that yeah. we are, are able to empower people around the world to contribute to this let's as well. So let's let's, let's look about a way to plan this on a regular basis. I yeah, think this, this, this is what we can do. This is what we can do. And I'm just going to, I mean, we can just go ahead and make this happen. Uh, we can get, uh, you can have like the third, third Monday or the fourth Monday of every month, you know, where you can have a 12 month series, you know what I'm saying? Every month, we, by that time we done built the momentum, by the right. third show, we done built the right. momentum, they know y'all going to be online, y'all know they're going to be on talking politics, we're going to really educate the people on a 12 month basis, you know? I love maybe we can do I love it. Maybe we can do it. Maybe we can do every other two weeks. I mean, it's, really? it's so important for us to move in that magnitude, because that's how much help we need to help to people. We need to get moving on it. You know, we have the I have the technology. You have the technology. Uh, and let's just bring this wisdom together and let's plant some seed with these people and let's see what grows. I love yeah. it. I love it. And and Andrew knows. You know, usually I'll I'll come to the LA area. You know, I keep abreast of what's going on there in Compton, you know, with your mayor and your emergency management office for the city of Compton is in that fire station next to the mayor's office. <laughs> See what I know? And and these are just things, you know, so I come out to Five Point Youth Foundation whenever they, they have an event, you know, to and I let people know LA is almost my second home from here in D C. Okay. Yes, yes, and yes. Yes, yes, and yes. So you, you decide. So, so, so I'm committing Beema International now, Charles, to have this, uh, this regular show on this station. On the, you would say, which, which, Monday, which Monday of the month is good for you, Charles? Would it be a good Monday once, you know, maybe, like I said, um, we'll start off once a month right now. Right. Pick a, pick, pick any, a certain any, any Monday is fine. Any day of the week is fine because this is how important this information needs to get out to our community right. worldwide. You know, well, let's that, do it. Can we do it on the first Monday of every month? I know it's, it's, it's coming, another one coming that'd up. That would be wonderful. That would be perfect. Right. We can, we can right. set it up. We're going to talk about it when we get off the line. And I'm going to have you all know, every first Monday every month. And I mean, we can kill the game. That'll help actually build up every area. We're building it up. We'll get people to call in from all over the world. Have different right. people speak about what's really going on from different elements and different aspects on what's going on. Then we can really start helping our people through content politics, tc5cl.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. And the good thing is this, man. Uh, we have five, we have six shows. We have shows all the way from Monday through Saturday, okay? So. Uh, what it is, I can connect you with us. I, I don't mind sharing, you feel, because there's so much information, so many right. other different dynamics and wonderful other radio hosts on our network that you can uh, gather with. You know what I mean? You might get different types of questions, and that's a good thing. We have shows sure. from Monday all the way to Saturday, so it doesn't matter. But I'd love for you to do my show, though. You know, we, you know, I want to connect um, with you guys, you know, for the first Mondays on every month. Right. And, um, we can make that happen because, look, check it out. I think next Monday is the first Monday of every month, right? So y'all might just well, be yeah, next, next Monday. Well, next Monday, I think it's the 30th. I'm looking at the calendar now, so it'll be the following week. Okay, so that means we're going to have a week to promote, two weeks to promote. So it'll be. I think it's going to be a great opportunity. That's what I feel. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And, and, and one thing I want to emphasize, Lorenzo, is, you know, I'm not here to get members. 
I'm here to get this information out to our community. Of course. I don't want no members. I don't need members. I just need people that have some ears. We need ears. Eyes. Yes. Ears, eyes, and mouth, and nose. We need to hold that right. yards and okay. hands and fingertips. Yeah, we need 10 to right. 10. That's what we need. You know, it's not about the counters, about who getting it out there so they can pass because there's no limit of who we can touch. Now, right. did it, are you, is, is, Andrew, I, I, I was watching this, what was going on at Five Point Youth Foundation the other day. Yesterday, yeah. uh, was he the gentleman on the drums that you interviewed? Uh, he was, I think, yeah, he was on the drums, yeah, Lorenzo. He's also in the picture there with us standing in front of the, uh, the group. A gray, of the, uh, or the, a gray the shirt Brazil. I think he had on? Or? Yeah, it was a light color shirt, yeah. Right, a light color, okay, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I said, this is Compton Politics. This is T25Sale.com. This is Dynasty Talk Radio. This has been a wonderful show. Is there any last words? I'll let my guests say the last words, whatever you want to say to the community. These guys are going to come back. We're going to rock the world, not the nation, but the world. I love this. I do have a worldwide radio station. I mean, I'm that. So we are touching the world. You know, this wasn't even in my um, dream to be a radio talk host. You feel what I'm saying? This is something that just was just asked for me to do, you know, and that's why I like when you were speaking about we have talents, you know. I didn't know I was a drummer. I didn't know I was a radio talk host. You know what I mean? I didn't know none of these things like that. You know, I knew I was a football player, and I knew I was a hell of a street person. I knew I was a drug dealer. I was a a slick guy, a player, you know what I mean? But I did not know this inner self talent that I can use for myself or my own self. Not doing it with my homeboy, not doing it with my girlfriend or my wife, or you know, just doing it something for me so I can present it to to give someone else to share, you know. Uh, and that's what we're gonna do with this movement where we have going on, um, changing, help being part of changing the world. Uh, yes, sir. I know, we can't, I know we can't fix it. Like I was saying earlier, a lot of things that I do know that I do do that I set out there to help fix. I might not even never be here to see the results because I know it was just a vision. It was a thought. It was a hope. It was an opportunity. All that counts. So, All that counts because every positive impact has a positive impact, whether it's now or ever. But you got to make it in order for it to be there, Lorenzo. So congratulations on the impact that you have and are having. Thank you so much. Uh, is there like, like that. Yes, hey, man, I appreciate that, man. Like I said, I'm trying to – one thing I'm trying to do with Compton Politics, I'm trying to stay at least consistent every Monday if I don't do anything else uh, with my show. If it's just coming on for five minutes, I don't have anything to talk about. But it's just the whole thing is, is, like we said, we have to turn on that light switch to get the light turned on. You feel what I'm saying? Right. right. And, and that's all it takes. Somebody has to keep keeping that. When somebody turn that light on, somebody got to come in behind me. When I'm dead and gone, somebody turn that light switch back on. And that's what it's about. Right. It's, it's, about, it's, about the, uh, it's about the ripple effect of life. It's the ripple effect. It's like yeah. it's, it's from my action to your reaction to my reactive behavior. You know, you know so one of the things live. one of the things you said is that consistency, and even myself and what I do with Beeman and Ashton, I've asked others who have been in the beginning, am I saying and consistent in what I've been saying in the beginning to what I'm saying now? Have I changed? And they said, no. You're saying the exact same thing you've always said. That's all I want to know, that I'm consistent. So you're being consistent. Others are being consistent in our life. We tend to know 
how to deal with that. But when when it, when you're not consistent, I don't know how to talk to you. <laughs> right. But stay consistent, Lorenzo. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I thank y'all brothers for calling in. I would love for y'all to say y'all little last words. There's no time limit. Whatever you want to tell the world, whatever you want to tell the uh, uh, the message you want to send, whoever you want to talk to, uh, you go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll take the lead here. I'll just say again, <clears throat> I'm inviting everyone on the, after your show on the first thir- first Monday, Lorenzo. Every first Thursday, uh, first Thursday at uh, Los Angeles Trade Technical College Architectural and Engineering Design. Uh, department that's in the Tom Bradley Legacy, Tom Bradley Student for Life Center on Trade Tech. Everyone's invited from two o'clock to five o'clock to come out to connect together with the community think tank. We can make this thing happen. Again, to, let's encounter la.net if you want to go there, see what it's about. On Facebook, we have Encounter Think Tank. You can Google, you can just Facebook find it. But the whole idea, Lorenzo, is for everyone. I'm known as Ambassador Andrew Williams Jr. Like I said, I was a Facebook ambassador. I'm also a community ambassador, so I'm reachable, Andrew Williams, Jr., so let's get this thing done. And one of the things I'd like to say to any of your your next-generation leaders out there, the youth, and even elementary, K-12, elementary, junior, middle, high school, and college who are listening to you, Lorenzo, and this is something I, I say now and then, and I say to young kids, fear is not real. If you fear something, it's in your imagination. When you want to do something that's new, don't be fearful. Do it. Do it. Danger is real. And that came from a movie Will Smith did a while back ago. But fear is not real because you have to branch out. You have to learn. If you don't branch out, you'll never learn. You know, if if you're at that age or if your parents have your passport, plan on traveling outside of this country. You know, if you can do work outside of this country with your parents' permission, do it. You know, your neighborhood, your five-block, ten-block radius is just ten blocks. But the world is much smaller than you think it is. And you are safe. Yo, yo, hey, I'm back. Hello, can y'all hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, my other phone cut off. I don't know what happened. Oh, was I cut off? <laughs> no, 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 Charles, we heard everything you said. No, but, you oh, know, yeah. and, and that's just one of the things, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, fear is not real. You know, learn to branch out, experiment, you know, take ten, take two more steps a day, learn a new word, learn one word of a new language. You know, if you're young, the next generation, I'm 62, I won't be here long. I'm aware of that. Am I afraid? No. But don't be afraid. Experiment. Go out and reach. Go outside of your community. Get involved in your community. Do not be afraid. You know, Lorenzo wasn't afraid. When he started doing radio, I was a little afraid when I started doing what I'm doing. But I got past that and said, there's nothing to fear. So for our next generation, don't fear anything. And and if you want to find out more about BEMA, you know, I'll say just as one thing. Just do a Google search, Black Emergency Managers, those three words, and it will pop up, and you can start branching out, learning a little bit more. It's updated every day. But that's all I wanted to say, Lorenzo. All right. Thank you so much. I want to just thank my guests for calling in. They've been giving us some information. Uh, These guys are going to be on my show every first Sunday throughout the month. 
I mean, uh, what is the name of your company again? And actually, what do you do? I want to make sure. I don't want to just say. I would like for you to say what you do. I like what you do. Both of y'all, can y'all just say what y'all do, and I'll be finished. Andrew? Yeah, Andrew. Uh, Andrew Williams, Jr. <clears throat> I'm president of the Five Points Youth Foundation. I'm also a community advisor for EncounterLA.net. Uh, I'm also on the National Advisory Board of Project 1619.org and on the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Uh, so uh, I'm available, and so those are the ways you can reach me. And my name is Charles Sharp. I'm the CEO of the Black Emergency Managers Association, or BEMA, B-E-M-A International. Uh, and we're an association of Homeland Security Emergency Management Professionals. But we take that added step to say we want everyone in our community, communities of African descent, worldwide, globally, to be members of our association. We're not just Homeland Security Emergency Management Professionals. We have members from every aspect of our community. If you want to learn about emergency management and, and Homeland Security, most of the training and courses are free. They're free. They're online. You can do them anywhere. Anywhere. And they're done by FEMA, and most people don't know they're free. And you can actually get a two-year associate's degree out of this because all companies, disasters, emergencies, a strike, every aspect of what we do in every part of our lives here in the U.S. and worldwide. But how do we react to it? Who are companies hiring? They're hiring people who have an awareness of that. And that's something that we need, that we push in our communities. Be aware. Apply to these jobs. Let them know what you know about this so that you can, you're hireable, you're marketable. You know what? I like that because this is an opportunity for a street person to use their talent. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's like this is the part, I think, where the transitioning of the diversity of the change in the mindset where we can change it. You get it? Where we can actually change the mindset and that we can, I'm just going to keep it 1,000, that ghetto mentality and let them know that that, 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 that ghetto mentality is a need, mm-hmm. that that ghetto mentality is so important more, more than uh, uh, the president of the company. Because You know, one of the things I do is, and I'll say this, you are the expert of your community. If I were to come to Compton, or the Five Point Youth Foundation. The expert I'm going to is you, Lorenzo. I'm going to Andrew. I don't know who lives there. I'm just there to address an issue. But you are the experts. That kid, you know, that, that young person listening, the elderly person that listen, that's listening right now, you're the expert of your community. If I were to come in, I need you to teach me about who lives above that store, that she can't go shopping except once a week. But there's a disaster, a crisis. She can't come out. We have to bring stuff to her. Right, right. This is the things that I I emphasize in communities. You are the expert, Lorenzo. Your listeners are the expert in their community. I don't know. But if I come in, if FEMA comes in, who are they going to use? They're going to need you to tell them where people are, what they have and may not have, and we have to get to them. Hey, is, is, that, is, is that part of the cert team? That I was, I'm a, actually a cert, uh, first responder. Uh, oh, you, you really hit it on the head. That's the first step right there, what you just said. 
if you promote that in everything you do, we will solve a lot of issues. And, and, well, that's and no that. problem right there. You know, I mean, I've been through the search training. I actually still got the cert hat, the, the flashlight. The, the Man, I have the um, the vests. I have the vests. I have everything. The, the, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm set up. You know, I need to get my retraining. I'd love to do the retraining, and I advise anybody out there, that's one of the most empowering things that you can do for yourself is become a cert because when you become a cert, you are actually out there. So if they call martial law and you're a cert, you could be out in the streets. Right. And one of the things I push for ex-offenders that, you know, and I'm, you know, talking to, you know, those who run the programs to say that, look, before someone is released, they take the online classes. And you know what I'm talking wow. about. And then as they're released, they take the cert classes because now they can feel they're part of the community they're going back to. They're not just purged. I've talked to ex-offenders who are released. No job opportunities, nothing. Nothing. It's almost like they're parachuted in and they're on their own. But this is a way of saying, cert, now you're a part of the community. We're going to welcome you oh, back in. Oh, I like that. I like We're that. We're going to welcome you like back that. in the community because if there's a disaster, we're going to need you. And you'll be able to tell if there's some plenty business going on. You can address it and bring it to someone's attention. You see what I mean? It's like we have to start taking care of ourselves. There's always illegal activity everywhere. But if if you're preying on women, children, the elderly, the vulnerable, and you know these words from taking cert, I think we have to put a stop to that. This is a vulnerable time when a disaster strikes. We should not be doing that. Right, right. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, you just won my heart. <laughs> you said suit. And, and Andrew knows. That's what I I am pushing this even in Africa. The, the tribes, yeah, the local I'm, I'm level. With that. I'm with that movement. I'm with the certain movement, man, because I was love having that. When it was, and, I'm, and it's so important, like you say, you've got to imagine. You are on, you are on probation, parole, but you become a cert on parole. And that's a major thing. That's getting back into the community. That's coming back. That's like saying, man, I'm serious. Please right. get me off that paper because i got things to do. I'm trying to say lies. And people, can you explain exactly oh, I, didn't, I told you were getting ready to tie it up, but you want to go further? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we got time, man. Well, you know, CERT stands for Community Emergency Response Team. And with that, and when you heard me earlier talk about FEMA and a few others, you know, Andrew can go into more detail, and I'll just summarize it. That certainly was created to say, how can we get everyone involved, the whole community involved when a disaster strikes? First responders, that's usually your fire, EMS, and law enforcement. All right, the problem that we're having with law enforcement in our, com- our communities with they're just killing black people of African descent randomly. We're going to address that. But CERT was done to get individual and communities involved. When I was in the military, there was something called owner-operator. This is how CERT spun off from the military. They say, when I say it, you know your community better than anyone, anyone, that it, if fire and law enforcement come in, 
they don't really know the community like you, but you know where something is if it's out of place. You can do a damage assessment quicker. That's the basic summary of what CERT is about, to get you involved, to do certain things that first responders or, or in some cases, the person at that location when an event occurs is the first responders. Law enforcement and fire comes in a little later. They're the secondary responders. Really, that's the way it is. So you are there when the problem occurs. You're responding to it. You're not waiting for others. FEMA has already said, how many days should you have an emergency kit? Three to four days. Why? They're not coming. But while, while you're waiting, what are you going to do if people are injured? What are you going to do if you have to turn off, you know, gas, natural gas lines, you know, turn off power because it's in a dangerous situation someone may get electrocuted? CERT trains you to do that at that level. You can ask for as much training as you want from CERT. CERTs are usually set up for communities. And, and Lorenzo, I don't know, the CERT team you're in, there's a map that you probably cover. You probably cover Compton. No, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from L.A. I was born in Compton, and, and I actually was able to create a radio show called Compton Politics. You feel what I'm saying? But, you know, like I tell people, Compton is in every city. Compton right. is it's a Compton in every country. You know right. what I'm saying? I have Compton politics up in uh, the, the Congo. They right. listen to Compton politics right now. So uh, Compton is in every city, man, and Compton right. is in everybody, you know. But, but you understand that it's about the neighborhood. Of course. This is this is the neighborhood that your team is responsible for, and you right. report what goes on up the line in a disaster situation to someone in an emergency operations center. And it's your it different. Now, you are the mayor. You are the mayor. Oh, well, see, I design emergency operations centers, so, right. and I've managed them. So, you know, and I, like I said, I was an inspector general, so I evaluated how did they respond. So when you look at things like that, and, and from a national level and local level, certain states have cert, cert set up different ways. My biggest concern, search should not be controlled by law enforcement. Right. It should be controlled by either emergency management or local nonprofit community to interface with emergency operations. Hi, Josh. Hello? No, no, I was talking to my sister. You know, oh, okay. you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, in L.A., I don't know. I think law enforcement is not the lead on that. But in Chicago, it is. And one of the things you look at with CERT is, and you can change it. If law enforcement is in charge of it, no, let's change this. It should not be no, this way. You tell the police what to do. Right. But usually when the police are in charge, and I can tell you what's the, what's the central thing, why? I can tell you why. Money. Funding. From Homeland Security, give it up to law enforcement. Could you trust? But could you be able to bring if you got the community came together like they're supposed to? Could that money be transferred to the community? Oh, you know what? I have another question. Then that we on this policing thing, right? In America, is let's, stay on let's stay on third. Let's stay on third. You're going to do what we're talking about. No, no, no. It's got to know, right? It's got. To, it's got to do with this. It's got okay. to do with that. 
So you said they got the funding, right? So is there a law that where you can create your own police station in your community? Like the sheriffs are under, uh, under, uh, under uh, I don't know what it's called, but could you start your own, like, police sheriff department? That I don't know. I have no knowledge of that. One of the things I do have knowledge of and what I've been advocating for was, was for volunteer fire stations. They're quicker to get done, and you need them more because you really want more, you know, what are kids more involved? They want to do fire. They want to be a fireman. But usually in the inner cities, there are no volunteer fire stations. Who do they hire to work in the city are individuals that have worked in a volunteer station outside of the city. They're the ones that get these jobs quicker. Regarding law enforcement, that I have no knowledge. But there's an organization, the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, Noble. They're in the D.C. area. Uh, that's up there Avenue. Wow. That's wonderful. You know, I, I just, I just, you know, as part of that safety triad for public safety, you know, you have fire, uh, fire and uh, uh, emergency, you know, EM, then you have law enforcement, then you have emergency management. So I found more, it's been more acceptable with, with fire on what so we is, do. So is there any uh, racial profiling in this field that we actually, that you created for as the emergency disaster, is there any type of racial profiling in that, or is it just like you said, it's all about the human being era? It's about the human, it's about saving lives. That's what we address. You know, I haven't seen it, but it's about, you know, the old boy network, we're here to address that. But we're more about saving lives. So I look at nationally, here in the U.S., I look at those things. Hey, what is the system set up in that jurisdiction? You know, something occurs in L.A., all right, who's this, this, and this? I come from my subject expertise area, and I work out. When Ferguson, when a shooting in Ferguson, okay, let me look at CERT in Ferguson. You can go look at it, and you will see that there's a problem just by looking right. at CERT. Why? There's nothing in Ferguson. Why? You're interfacing. You're establishing a relationship with law enforcement and fire. But there's no cert. There's no relationship. All the certs were around Ferguson. You see? So Ferguson, those law enforcement, homeland security, and emergency management funding for grants, they have a specific grant program for fire and EMS. That a volunteer fire station can be established. Seriously, so, you so check the five grant programs for Homeland Security. Then they have one additional grant program for law enforcement grant funding. So, so, so what you're saying is, if they can, if they can, if you can build a volunteer fire department, you can build a, a volunteer police department. I'm, I, I, like I said, I don't know about police department, <laughs> if you can do that. But yeah, that's but based on local jurisdiction. Before. It's based on local yeah, jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah I probably think, I can. Think, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. That's what I was asking. I was thinking maybe you know about that, but I heard about that, that our own community can actually, we can develop, we can um, organize our own police department in our own community and then tell them that we'll take care of our own community with guns and everything. And let us, you can be, it can be like a branch like McDonald's. 
I would look at I would look at the funding for that, and your local jurisdiction would know in the state because you're looking at state jurisdiction, county, and then city townships, you know. But I just stay in my lane with emergency management. Of course, management. of course. Yeah. Like I said, you talking politics, and I try to talk about everything I can because I like to start trouble. You know, because even what happened in Puerto Rico, you know, was FEMA the problem in Puerto Rico? Was FEMA the problem in Katrina? Not really. I mean, they were a little small part, but really it's local. All disasters are local. What locally, I feel that. I feel that. I feel that we're responsible for our community when there's a disaster. Right. And you have that cert training has gave you an insight to say, wait a minute, you can you can actually say, hey, do they have cert in Puerto Rico? Ooh, you have to put some work in. You, you see what I mean? And, and that right oh there my was God. Hey, but I, I'm not I'm not trying to be wrong, but uh, boy, me being a cert in, in 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 Haiti at that time, me being a cert, I don't think I better handle it with that, bro. All that trying to take them tags, the red tag, yellow tag, green tag, tag that the, the ones that need help, the ones that don't need help, the ones that's dead. Man, I don't think I could have handled that one right there. But you see what I mean? But you don't know Haiti. I don't know Haiti. Now, Haiti, right. have you set this up? No. Why? Well, you don't fall on the U.S., but here's the concept. What are, what are your plans? You know, so in, in in where you're at in L.A. and what I asked Andrew, you need to know the plans of what's going to happen. You know, if an earthquake occurs, how are you going to get out? How are you going to evacuate? You know, the banks are, the banks are closed. The ATMs are they're not working. Why? There's no power to them. You know, so how are people going to trade? You know, use money. You can do electronic. Is the phone is charged? You know, so you know by taking cert that they're priorities, that they're going to get back up first. And that's one of the great things about search. You learned about those priorities. For that local area that you're in, what's going to come back first? And you can help reassure others in your community who don't know. Right. You see how it's, a, it's, yeah, a, it's each so one teach one? And it's sort of, you know, and it's, it's like... I hope people don't wait until it's too late to say, man, I should have did that. Oh, is that what I was supposed to learn? Because it's so important to really just learn something, even though you don't want to learn it or know about it. It's like even in life, in order to get to where you want to go, you've got to do a lot of other things before you get there. Right. So I mean, I, I, I worked at radio. I worked in radio with Pacifica Network when I was in college. You know, so I had a radio voice. Hi, this is Charles Sharp with Pacifica Network, WPFW in Washington, D.C. You see, I can go back to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Like but, I said, it's something pilot. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's go just ahead. a matter of getting to know and not being afraid. For sure. And I really, I mean, a lot of people have to not be afraid, have to drop their fears. Like I, but sometimes I tell people, when you're afraid, the best thing you can do, the strategy in life is create an alter ego. Create another alter ego. So my name Lorenzo, Lorenzo don't really can't pass the test. Just create an alter ego to help you pass that test. I mean, it sounds ludicrous or whatever you want to call it, but sometimes we have to go outside our box with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Just to, like you say, see if I can play the drums. See right. if I can be a radio talk. How do I become a radio talk host? 
had to become somebody. I had to do something. I had to become something else because I was feared at, at first because I didn't know how to walk up to a microphone and talk for hours. Now, I will talk your ear off when I've even been on the radio. You don't want to mess with me off the clock, and I'm going to still talk your ear off. You feel what I'm saying? I don't ran people off just by talking regular. So, so it's a natural talent now. I can get up and speak for three, four hours naturally. Run my mouth. Just I sometimes I have a radio show without a guest for two hours. You know what I'm saying? But I did not know I had this talent. I don't know it was a talent, but you know what? Some people call it you talk too much. Some people call it you get over your nerves. You know what I'm saying? So the talents that you have, you bringing it out. Did you know that you had the talent to help the world with uh, uh, the disaster level as being a manager and stuff? Did you know that? When did you really find out that you was capable of being on this level? Well, when you talk about talent, and one of the things I said, you know, with Andrews, Andrews knows facts. That's his talent. And I come to Andrew, Andrew, tell me the facts. <laughs> He's my resource. It's about knowing resource. I learned about this. I think I was always interested in it when I was four or five years old. Really, when I was that young. Because I remember the first almost disaster movie I saw was Last Man on Earth. And it was a pandemic. Uh, uh, and that was with Vincent Price. So Will Smith did a remake of the movie. But that's how young, that's how long it's been. And then as I went through life, you know, I had an interest in these things. And when I was in high school, I did work. They had something called the Stay in School Program. I worked to stay in school because, like I said, I had flip-flop soles in my shoes. I worked at the National Science Foundation. I was 16 years old, and I had an interest. Someone saw an interest in me in electronics, computer systems. And I remember they sent me away to computer class, and I sat in there with other individuals at 16 who were in the military outside in McLean, Virginia, near the CIA. So that to give you an idea who I was in class with. And I picked it up. It was just nothing. And this was before PCs were ever created. But one of the things I used to read in the storeroom all the time was the contingency plans for nuclear attack in the U.S. Back then, that was the only scenario we had. You know, a nuclear attack, you know, who's going to take over? Who's going to do what? What will the phone company do, you see, to bring, come back our continuity operations? So I learned that. And then when I went through college, I, you know, and I finally went to college, my first paper was on chemical warfare uses by the United States. The first paper I ever wrote, chemical warfare. And back then, this was long, this was in the 70s, there was not a lot of information out there for the public. So I would go to the Library of Congress. I would do my research. I would go to the Library of Congress. I would go to the National Research Council with the, the National Science Foundation to do my research. And it was the same books were at every every location. <laughs> you know, so and if you wanted more, you had to be in the military. So you know, I I I think I've always it, this was that gift that it came out. It came out when I went in the military. And I've even had other officers and NCOs say, 
that's your gift. This is your gift. And, and it was like it would just come out. It was like a part of me. And and that's what each one of us has to understand. That gift is a part of you, and you have to you have to just let it out. I never I get tired. And exhausted, you do and what you do, but that gift, that strength keeps you going. Right, like we kept going, like we've been going an extra 30 minutes. We're supposed to have been out 30 minutes ago, but it's just a gift that keeps this, it's just the magnitude of what goes on with the energy that we build up as we start, you know. Right. Um, it's a spiritual connection, way bigger than that, you know. It's just yeah. the right answers, the right reasons, the right focus, you know, when you get. Things that that get, that gets along, it comes along, you know. So, uh, like I said, I appreciate both of y'all coming on my show. Like I say, they will be on my show every first Sunday out the month. Um, we're going to talk, you know, later on about how we're going to do it, how we're going to orchestrate it. I want to really educate our people. I would love to push that cert movement issue because it's going to be a big disaster coming up. And it's not just talking about somebody getting shot and all that. We're talking about some earth disaster that we all are going to be affected by. So I'm, I'm, it's about educating everybody because my neighbors, I have different nationalities in the neighbors, so I got to tell my neighbors that's Latino uh, that we do this cert thing because we got to all come together some way, somehow to save our lives together. Because, I, I mean, it's like when I was training to be a fireman, uh, one guy felt the test because, uh, he was African-American, and they asked him a question. They said, well, if it was a fire, and I'll be done. If it was a fire, and then we had a black guy, a Chinese guy, and a, and, a, and a white guy, and they asked the guy, who would you say? He said, I'll say the brother. What do you think? What do you think would happen to him? <laughs> he didn't get out. What do you think would happen to him? When he talking about he's going to say the black guy, and the other two guys are going to be in there burning. He did, not <laughs> make it to be, he did not make it to be a fireman. It's because of the character of his uh, negligence of not really understanding what his job was. So uh, when we get involved with these disaster teams and wanting to help people, you have to remember human beings is not a color. Human beings is people. Right. Human beings is all, we are all the same because we are all break down to skeletons. And that's the only reason why I think it's about empowering people of all color. And then when you go to your family reunion, you find out who's really in your family. You just don't come back and tell your hood who your cousin was. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So, right, right. We're going to start telling the truth about what we know about our own history so people just can stop this complex against each other and understand that we all have different types of backgrounds of genes in our family, you know. Um, and we just all need to get along, like Rodney King said. So, uh, this is Compton Politics. I want to wonderful. I want to thank my brothers for being on. We've been on this line for two hours, which is just a start. Which I know our next show is gonna probably go for three hours. Uh, so we're gonna have a little bit more, but more, some more and more and more and more information for you. You can go back, get this recording on T25CL. No, www cl dot com. Goddessy Talk Radio, um, Compton Politics, Lorenzo Elvis Murphy. Uh, can you please get the app on your phone? Get this app on your phone, T25, the number, cl.com. App on your phone, on your laptop. Listen to the music 24 hours a day. 
Look at the movie, United We Stand. If you have a movie you want to play, you have information and poems, music, you need to be you need distribution. This is what T25 is for all you independent artists, all you independent filmmakers. Become a family member. We have shows every night, 730 on T two five. Check it out. I'm not the only show, but I'm the show that starts off the week to the grand. So I just want to thank my brothers for calling in. Um, and, hey, we're going to end this show. I always count down from five to zero, and I end my show. I want to thank you all for calling in. And I'm going to do it five, four, three, two, one. Compton Politics. Peace.